Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. Nice to have your company. Do you know, can you believe it? First time in ages, not a mention of hacking on the front pages of the papers. God for that. I think the public, as they said in the House of Commons yesterday at Prime Minister's Question Time, they said we think the public are getting a bit bored with it. Uh, the answer is the public are getting really bored with it. All we want is heads on, on, on the table or on the block or executions or whatever. I don't, know, I don't know what it is. We just want something. But I reckon it's going to die down a bit now. I'll make a prediction. Over the next few days, they're going to concentrate uh, on... What are they going to concentrate on? Yeah, the Euro. I think also the, uh, the staff nurse who was being quizzed last night by police hunting the saline serial killer. And they did say, if you remember, they said the other day, they said, we think that the person is still on the premises. And I thought... Oh, so it's somebody who works there that they're looking at. 60 police officers got brought in for that. 60 police officers. So um, she's been arrested, and she works on one of the wards at the centre of the probe. But I was, as I said at the beginning of the programme, you don't believe, uh, unless you carry insulin, how dangerous it is. And I remember reading this book. Do you remember I had this book on... Uh, she was a pathologist, a very young pathologist. And she'd uh, written a book about... No, she, was she a pathologist? No, she worked at... Yes, she was, yes, she was a pathologist. And... Um, she, she learnt that tr- why you'd ever want to be one, I can't imagine. To be honest with you, the thought of working with sort of dead bodies is not the most appealing job in the world, is it? Perhaps it's a vocation. You know, some people want to work in a sweet factory, some people want to cut up bodies and start working out. I'm fascinated by them on the television when they do them, you know, the, the, the pretend ones, and you know that half a cow's inside, they're lifting out and weighing and doing all this kind of thing, and chatting away like it was the most normal thing under the sun. But uh, one, of, one of the things that they did was somebody had murdered two people, and... They, they couldn't quite work out how they'd been murdered. They knew that they had insulin in their body, but they weren't diabetic. And they couldn't find out where until they realised that they'd been injected between the toes. The person had been injected between the big toe and the next toe. And that way, apparently, you don't, because you really don't... I mean, well, on me, you see puncture marks all over the blooming place. I mean, I am like the proverbial pincushion. But uh, when it comes to injecting insulin into saline solution, it would be a simple thing to do. There's a small needle that goes on, and you push it in there, and, and then it gets distributed. I'm assuming that you would have to be fairly mentally ill to actually do something like that, because for people who aren't diabetic, it can kill, and it can kill quite quickly. And that's what happened in the... I think the more... the, the older you are, the, 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 the quicker it, it kills. Dreadful, anyway. So that story will run over the next few days. I did laugh at the front of the Daily Star... I had to read it because I thought it was about time that well-known old baggage wearing horse's hair on a head sort of jumped onto the bandwagon. Jordan and Peter, our sex secrets were hacked. Now, as you all remember, both of them went on television and it was on um, Paul O'Grady's show. And they had to bring them on separately because they both argue when they were on there together. And she was going, oh, the sex life is great. And he was going, no, it's not. There is no sex life. We don't do things like that anymore. And, uh, and then it all finished. I mean, mainly because they're both so, so needy. You know, they like children. Oh, there you are. You're really good, aren't you? You're very clever. You're lovely and all this kind of... And uh, yesterday it was embarrassing to watch Jordan and uh, poor Eamon Holmes, who was invited to pat her leg to see if she'd gone scrawny. <laughs> Dear God. Didn't actually need to do that. I mean, the trouble is, poor old Eamon, he's coming over this proverbial dirty man. All, all, these, all these women he keeps touching on. The t- Stop it! Anyway, so Jordan and Peter, our sex secrets were hacked. Jumping on the bandwagon. When you read inside, they weren't. What the story is, if our phones had been hacked, we would be furious. And they're quite keen to point out inside here. It says here, uh, Peter... Uh, anyone in our entertain- ent- entertainment industry... Oh, how funny he thinks he's in the entertainment industry. How sweet is that? Anyway, he's a target, and it's terrible what's happened. It's unforgivable. His spokeswoman added, Peter would be outraged if his phone was hacked. 
but we've not been contacted by the police. In other words, he's not been hacked at all. Go away, silly boy. A spokesman for Jordan also admitted it would come as no big surprise to learn she was on the list, but so far, nothing. So it totally puts, you know, puts a lie onto Jordan and Peter, our sex secrets were hacked. It's a lie. It's a blatant lie on the front of the Daily Star. They haven't been. And, uh, and uh, to be honest with you, you'd have to be pretty bloody bored, wouldn't you? Let's hack into Jordan and Peter. What are they going? I don't know. You can't understand a word she's saying. And he's dribbling on about insane. Yeah. Inse- and she's going, shut it with the singing. You know, that would be about the extent of it, I'm afraid. Very dull. Very dull. Uh, Johnny Marbles. This is the rich kid. Uh, this is uh, Jonathan Bowles May. Rich kid who went off the rails. How many times have we seen that, actually? They're always rich kids, aren't they, to go off the rails? Yeah, I'm going to be an anarchist. Yeah, okay, you know, like, I'm going to be Yannick, I'm going to be a comedian. Can't actually do anything, can you? It's like turning on The Apprentice. They're all sort of kind of kids from middle-class backgrounds who really haven't achieved diddly squat in their lives. You only had to read that to see the, um, who was that? I can't remember the one who was on the television. You'll remember he wa- who he was, because he turned up on Celebrity Coach Trip, Amanda, and, and, he, and then Rafe. Rafe. Rafe was like, really okay, yeah, but was the biggest drip under the sun and was trailed about by this camp little blonde thing who popped up all over the place. And they did celebrity cooking food thing together. Come dine with me. Oh, but that was before Ben. No, but Ben had already been on another programme. The chair's just fallen apart. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, ben had already been on another programme, and then he was Rafe's best friend. And if you remember, when they went to... Because Rafe didn't do it in his place, he did it in Mummy and Daddy's place, which was like stepping into something out of Vienna from 1860. Yeah, but Ben was in the kitchen cooking. Ben was in the kitchen cooking for him. And then they, then they sort of joined up and they became... And then, oh, they turned up all over the place together. And they became quite boring, actually. And then, luckily, they both disappeared. So I can only assume now... I don't, I don't know what they do. They must be running out of programmes to appear on. They really must be. I mean, there isn't anything going on at all. Rochelle Wiseman went out to the theatre the other night. She went to see Ghost. We'll review it later on. Uh, it hasn't been reviewed kindly by most of the press. They, uh, they didn't like it at all. They thought it was just wet and drippy. Rochelle, who's the, uh, the girl from the Saturdays, who can't talk like that. Have you ever heard Rochelle talk? I mean, really, it's just... Oh, God, I'll try and learn to speak properly. But anyway... Um, she, she went out to see it with the JLS boys because she's going out, apparently, with Marvin. And he was wearing and a, quite a nice jacket, actually. Waistcoats for a little bit so last year. But there you go, it doesn't matter. And, um, and so they, they go out there. Anyway, at, at one moment it goes quiet and they, they sing this, Oh, my love, my darling, I long for your touch. Anyway, all you could hear was her blubbing, apparently. <laughs> anyway, she turns around, all the JLS boys have gone home. <laughs> She's such an embarrassment. Thank God she never said anything. <gasps> Dreadful. But uh, we'll find out later what Roger Foss thinks of it. Sadly, no Nathan Morley today. Bit of a disappointment. He's, uh, he's been doing an overnight shift. An overnight shift. And Helen Milligan from The Apprentice, another one who's discovered the delights of uh, curling tongs, has landed a top job working for Greg's. So that's really good. So well done to her, even though he actually said she wouldn't make it as anything at all. So we'll see how long she lasts. We'll follow it. We like to follow these things. We like to be caring and sharing, because Greg's is in the high street, and, um, and, and it appeals to students. Because it's, you know, they know all that they... You can ask any student, uh, what are all the food that they do? Do they do rolls? No, they do the beef lattice with onion. Or they, they know all the different things. And it's quite cheap, so it definitely appears to students. And in Twickenham, we have a lot of students. We have a lot of students who queue outside Greg's and they queue in the Kentucky. To be honest with you, the least favourite out of the two would have to be Greg's, I suppose, because Kentucky... I mean, how can you eat that? 
I mean, it would make me want to go to sleep in the afternoon. If you eat that kind of food, deep-fried stuff, you know, then you sort of, you have to try and study at lessons. Small wonder they all sort of give up, don't they? Oh, here she is, pregnant glamour girl, Danielle Mason. Danielle Mason's a bit of a, a waste of space, I'm afraid. She is the sister of Jessie Wallace. She comes with a chequered history, but apparently now she's, she, she's been out. I think she's, she's pregnant uh, by her partner, Tony, who's a traveller. For that read, not an endangered species, not a gypsy, not a, he's a traveller, OK? They don't like her because she is what they call a gorger. A non-traveller. It's all, it's, I find it very strange, actually, within the travelling uh, community. It's quite funny, because they have a filthy reputation. They have a reputation of moving onto land, buying it, and then, within a weekend, tarmacking it, and putting in mains power and everything. Nobody ever questions, you know, does the electricity company just go along and just turn it off? I don't quite understand it. But anyway, and so they have all this sort of bizarre thing going on, and the girls spend the rest of their life cleaning caravans and being pushed around by these Neanderthal nutcases... And then the moment the Neanderthal nutcases go out there and try and pick up somebody who's not within the travelling community, they all get ostracised. And you think to yourself, it's kind of a bit one-sided, this, isn't it? The blokes can obviously do what they want, but the girls are poor old henpecked things. And then I turned on... Oh, oh I had to... Oh, which, which paper? Oh, I've got time to find... I have to do it after the break. It's very funny. Jeff Brazier's column today in the Mirror. Because you know old Jeff Brazier. He's all up for a, for a freebie. He loves his freebies. And, uh, and he does write funny little things in his column. And five things that made me happy this week. It's such, it's such a sweet, sweet little life he's got. Even though he looks somewhat peculiar. No, no, no. Five things. Firstly, number one, thank you to OKTV OK for letting me host seven fantastic shows... He writes like a five-year-old. It was a great opportunity to showcase my credentials as a television host. And I'd like to think I grabbed it with both hands. I don't think you did, but never mind. And then later on, he says, I'm very grateful to Kate Walsh, my co-presenter at OKTV, for making me feel so welcome and relaxed. I really enjoyed working with her. She's an intelligent young lady with a real talent for hosting. What world is this poor little creature on? And he's very grateful to the Only Way as Essex cast members who agreed to come along and be the star attraction at my next few skating academies. And also, now the boys have broken up for the holidays, I'm so grateful they don't need to be in bed early, which means we can visit friends in the evening. How sweet. Honestly, what, what a lot of lovely little life he's got. Poor old Jeff Brazier, the world's worst television presenter. But uh, that's OK television for you. I mean, it was dreadful yesterday. They've got their Josie on there. Josie, who is also a traveller, I believe, and appeared on, uh, so on, on the Big Brother thing and might have won it and was going out with... She is a traveller. She blooming well is a traveller. Oh, yes, she did a whole f- spread in OK magazine with her mum's caravan. And, oh, yes, she is. Oh, God, yeah. Anyway, you can't understand a blooming word she says. You know, there's so many inarticulate people on the television nowadays... You sit there and all go, it's a bit Rochelle, and you think, they're all a bit blokey, aren't they? But she did go out with John James, and very wisely disappeared back to Australia, going, I've had enough of that, thank you very much indeed. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. European leaders meet in Brussels later in an attempt to design a second bailout package for Greece. Germany and France have reached a joint position over a new plan. More police are being added to the hacking investigation. The team's being boosted from 45 to 60 after a number of extra inquiries. The Prime Minister's facing more questions about exactly what was discussed with Rupert Murdoch when they met to talk business. And despite changes a couple of years ago, train tickets are still way too confusing. Passenger watchdog Passenger Focus says many of us are paying too much online and are confused by the system. 
I was very confused by that. Let's have a check on the uh, roads this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. We'll start with some good news on the sound. An app is available now. <sighs> Thursday. And it's another wet day coming up, I'm afraid. As I wish I could offer you some crumb of comfort. It, I mean, you can't believe it's July, Cam. I mean, yesterday it was actually quite chilly as well. In fact, it was so chilly, my solar lights didn't come on. I was very depressed by that. Mind you, it didn't help when I think I dropped the blooming things, but that's another story. Uh, Paul says, uh, Why do they now play Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood on the radio riddled with filth, and yet they mute out Chains and Whips in Rihanna's song, S&M? I don't even know that song, actually. Although I did flip through the television this morning. I only discover on one of these weird channels. It's not a, it's, it's a, a mainstream channel. It's not anything peculiar I've signed up to. They were discussing the use of bondage to liven up your... And all I kept thinking was, I don't really think so. I don't. I mean, it's not my kind of thing. You know, I, I don't quite understand. I mean, I could never... I mean, we did used to have somebody on LBC some years ago who actually owned um, um, a dungeon... A, a proper they they built a dungeon in their house, and <laughs> to be honest with you, it seems quite funny now because I'm sure they mentioned it on the on the radio. But they they've got a dungeon, and there used to be a very famous woman called um, Miss Whiplash, and her name was Lindy something, and she had a dungeon in Earl's Court. And businessmen, I stress businessmen because I don't know who else could afford it, used to go there, and for two hundred and fifty pounds a night or whatever it was, she would chain them up to the wall and leave them there <laughs> all night. How you sleep standing up with your arms chained up, I've got no idea. Strange, strange things going on down there, aren't they? Very strange. I mean, my life is actually quite normal. Uh, Gary says, There was no need, Steve, for the papers to hack Peter and Jordan's phones as they tell everybody what they're up to all the time. You're quite right, actually. That is absolutely true. They've sold every aspect of them, the children, everything. You know, there is nothing we don't know because she opens her big mouth and talks about it all the time. Bit of a shame. Up early this morning from Art the Bailiff. God, not come around my place, I hope. I don't think so, actually. Uh, later on, we celebrate a birthday. And um, we'll do that. Oh, are they nice and early? Oh, they want to, oh, they want to go to sleep, actually. Because it is a birthday today. Because we have mentioned, on odd occasions, people in other parts of the country. And uh, this particular couple uh, are over in Ireland. So we have, we have lots of links to Ireland, and at 5.20 this morning, at the risk of, you know, making it, because I, I have to do this now, I suppose, because uh, they, want to, they want to get some sleep. And this is because someone we all know from years gone by, back in those, those halcyon days, from Children's BBC, the show Grange Hill is celebrating his 47th birthday today. His name is Robert Craig Morgan, better known as, he was Justin Bennett, and uh, you liked him, did you? Oh, Amanda liked him. Yeah. Well, anyway, he and his partner, Donica. Donica. I always get this wrong every time. Every time I get this wrong, uh, are going to be having some drinkies to celebrate. So lots of love over the airwaves to Rob. And uh, you're going to be met by Paul and Reiner in, I think, August. And he says, I'm hoping the BBC will continue releasing the Grain Chill DVDs, as they've only released the first four on uh, on DVD so far. And I don't want to have to start giving them a hard time again like I did trying to get Hinge and Bracket released. Mind you, that worked. He says, by the way, Rob still hasn't had his complimentary DVDs of the show he was in, series one to five. It's disgraceful. It would be quite nice if they sent something over from the BBC. And uh, Donica says, once again, it's that time of year, Steve, when I must ask you, big happy birthday to my wonderful partner, Robert Craig Morgan. As you know, Rob is a huge fan of the show. In fact, I think you're the only thing keeping him semi-sane here in the bogs of Ireland. 
And if you're wondering what he looks like now after 30 years since Grainhill, Grainshill, he's, uh, he sent me a photo. Thank you very much indeed. I hope you have a lovely, lovely day today, Robert. And uh, there'll be a cake dripping in candles, which you won't be able to eat. And uh, there'll be... Lo- oh, it'll just, it's just a nice day, isn't it? 47. God damn. 47. I almost feel a bit, uh, a bit embarrassed about sort of admitting my age now. 42. And... Uh, only on, one of these days there's going to be a big thunderbolt that comes through the ceiling and takes me out completely for telling the most awful fibs. But have a, have a lovely day, Robert Birthday Boy Craig Morgan, over there in Ireland. And uh, I hope you have a, a lovely, lovely day. OK? And that's uh, from everybody. Uh, ben was in Big Brother. That's what I thought. Yes, he was in Big Brother. Needs... Yes, I, I said he was in Big Brother. Needs his hair cut. He's now on a programme about Wills and Kate. The trouble is, he was just a little bit... I, well, because they think he's, he's sort of posh. So what they do is, obviously, some of these, you know, quasi... But they go, who shall we get? Well, he's sort of, you know, like, you know, sort of terribly posh. But he doesn't seem to have anything. He doesn't see, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll quite happily work for thruppence, I think. He'd have to. He's worked here, I think. So, <laughs> was exactly making a small fortune on that one, was he? And uh, everybody else telling me about um, poor old Jordan and the nurse and, uh, oi, bro, no. You know why? Why am I saying, oi, bro, no? Wh- which TV show would that come from? Oi, bro, no. I'll tell you, it's EastEnders... And I'm sorry to tell you that uh, bespectacled Ben Mitchell, oi, bro, no, is going to come out the closet and be gay. They've decided to make him gay, uh, you know, because it's their first gay Mitchell. Oh, I think a couple of the others are a bit suspect. Everybody knew he was gay to start with, but to be honest with you, I'm a bit bored with the gay storylines. It's so tedious. I mean, does anybody care? They make a... I mean, you know, if, if Phil came out of the closet... See, if, if, if Phil came out of the closet, because, to be honest with you, between you and me and the gatepost... Yeah, I know he's... Like, yeah, but wouldn't it be funny if Phil was gay? That would make it more interesting. You know, putting some poor bespectacled youth in. The news devastates his macho dad, Phil. Really? I don't know why. Grant always just looked fairly camp to me. And, in fact, most of the people who seem to drink in the Queen Vic seem to ride side saddle on their bicycles. I mean, it's ridiculous. And so they go, the first gay Mitchell. Like, I mean, it's only pretend. You're not really gay. It's like the two girls in Corrie... They're not really lesbians. They're just pretending to be lesbians. It's like the girl who works in the cafe. She's not really a sex change from Amsterdam who lived on a barge. She's acting a sex change. I don't quite understand the, the premise behind it, because, to be honest with you, it's a, and I know it's soap-planned, and I know I'm supposed to go, well, it's not real, but some people treat it as real. Some people seriously think it's real. I remember people being attacked in the street by stupid people. Uh, who go, yeah, because you're doing this and you're... And you think, no, they're only acting. Some of them quite badly, it has to be said. Lovely picture of uh, Jennifer Aniston. I don't know how old Jennifer Aniston is. She looks very good, though, doesn't she? 40-something. Oh, well, she looks She looks very good. Yeah, we like Jennifer Aniston. We can do that. And um, I'm afraid rain, 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 rain. And the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge refused £200 compensation each from British Airways after their in-flight entertainment failed. I did ask this question yesterday. I did say, have you just paid some compensation to the uh, to Royal Cup? I'll tell, I, I tell, tell you after the news, actually. Because um, I saw something yesterday and I kept thinking, God, that's worth some money. But anyway, it's another story. But, uh, but they, they didn't. They didn't accept uh, compensation, which is good. There's a bloke here, Freddie Ratcliffe. He's an athlete. He's six foot six. And he comes from Suffolk, from a place called Harkstead. And uh, he plays basketball. Why do you think he plays basketball? Come on, patently obvious, because he's tall. 
He's 13 and he's six foot six. He's 13 years old and he's... I mean, I've, it, it, some people obviously just go whoosh and shoot up like, like bean poles. Amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. I was just thinking, I was six foot. I remember saying to my mother, do you think I'm six foot? And I remember saying to a friend of mine, I think I'm six foot. And they went, no, you're not. I went, you sure? They went, no, you're not. I went, well, what am I? They went, you're about five foot ten and a bit. I said, you sure? Makes me sound quite short, actually. I don't want to be considered short or anything like that. I love the father of eight. His name is John Williams. John Williams is a, is a liar. He was caught speeding by the police. Took them two miles to get him to stop. And then, um, when he uh, actually did get stopped, he claimed that uh, he was taking a drive to calm down because he was traumatised by the death of his parrot. Now, you know he's a compulsive liar, this bloke. Uh, he was driving a red Peugeot and he was careering through Portsmouth, eventually smashed into a fence, and apparently his uh, defence said, on the night his parrot died, there was much trauma in the house. <laughs> yeah, right. Mr Williams decided he needed to go for a drive, followed by a police car. The blue lights were activated and he panicked. He has been banned from driving nine times before. And still, he's, well, he's been jailed for four months. <sighs> Nothing, is it, really? Four years would have been a lot better. I think we're far too lenient with these people. Far too lenient. Four months. He must be laughing like a drain. Yeah, be out in two. That's easy, isn't it? You don't need to worry about things like that. You know, so we go out there. What, shall I, what lie shall I spin? The parrot died. It was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. We're all traumatised by it. So I went out there and drove, you know, and then smashed into a fence. Very, very sad. Very sad story. I do feel dreadfully sorry for this poor woman here. This is um, Leslie Phillips. You know, we love Leslie Phillips. But his uh, wife was in a, a shocking state. Her name was Angela Scola. She's a former Bond girl, and uh, she was bipolar and an alcoholic. She'd been drinking up to a bottle of brandy a day about worries about mounting parking fine debts and fears that the cancer she'd recently beaten would return. So she swallowed drain cleaner. Now, you can only imagine that the balance of your mind would have to be so unhinged as to even think about swallowing drain cleaner. I mean, and you think, has this woman got nobody to turn to? Absolutely nobody to turn to. You know, everybody needs somebody. But uh, she got up, drank this industrial drain cleaner, ran outside and poured it all over herself. And then she fell down the concrete stairs, fracturing her spine. And uh, the first Leslie Phillips knew of the incident last April was when he was alerted by a neighbour. Isn't that dreadful that some, you know, I mean, it's, it's just not fair, really. You sometimes think that, you know, there's got to be some people out there that can help people like that. Rachel Jane is looking at the papers this morning with Nick Ferrari. She's the deputy editor of the Sunday Express. They're talking about hacking. The American, de have you noticed, it's all around the world now. European leaders, you know, getting into dreadful mess and uh, Germany and everybody else going, well, can we sort out this huge problem we've got? Everybody appears to be going bankrupt. LBC 97. Morning, everybody. 28 minutes to six. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad tidings, but it is going to rain later on today because it just is, because it's British summertime. And what happens in the British summer? It rains and it gets cold. And uh, yesterday, uh, we took a very nice trip down to the Royal Albert Hall uh, to go along because uh, they were doing uh, a presentation of British Airways uniforms over the years. And we thought what we'll do is sort of go down there. It'll make a great photo feature for this coming Sunday. It's all, it all ties in quite nicely with the Heritage Centre, which they have at British Airways. I didn't even know about it. I had no idea. But uh, they ki they've got over 150 uniforms of all, the, of all the different styles over the years. And it's amazing how many you remember. 
back even to the 60s, and you remember certain girls who were used in the campaigns. And so we went down there, and we, t- we took lots of uh, pictures, and we met some, some stewardesses who represented, I think, four decades or five decades. And it was, it was really, really interesting. Really interesting. I'll tell you more about it on Sunday, when we put the pictures up that we took on the day. Me with some, uh, some British Airways staff and all the different uniforms. Because it, it's, it's a great memory test for you, to try and see. You, you can work out your own age by which ones you remember. But they, they brought down, from the Heritage Centre, uh, old uh, menus. They, I know they have menus now, but these are the old ones from BOAC, British Caledonian, and all sorts of things, when they merged. And, um, and sometimes, the, how the girls changed all the time, I've got no idea. Because you, you'd greet people wearing your coat and your hat and everything else. Then you'd have to take it off when the flight took off. Then you put on your smock for serving. And then coming into land, you had to change into another outfit. If you've done a long-haul flight, how they ever managed this and still managed to look fresh, I've got no idea. But they all seem to fit quite nicely into the, into the, into the, the mould which we were talking about yesterday. But um, a lovely guy called Paul Jarvis, who looks after the Heritage Centre, was absolutely fascinating. And was telling us the history of flight and how in the early days of, uh, of air travel with British Airways, it was, it was for the rich. It wasn't for people like me or you at all. It's only recently that we've been able to afford to fly. In the early days, the stewardesses were there and they used to bring out a joint of meat and they would carve it. And you had proper glasses and they would pour the wine and you would select. And I was looking through the menus. And it's amazing how, how many were traditional menus. It was prawn cocktail or, you know, Caribbean this and Caribbean that. And then there would be seared steak or... The, I mean, really, some of it was quite lovely. Quite lovely, you know, a truffaut of mushrooms and a potpourri of, you know, courvoisier or whatever it happened to be. And obviously people were paying a lot of money for this kind of service. But the one thing that we were interested in is a book that they handed round. And the book was for all the times that the Queen and Prince Philip and Prince Charles flew on British Airways. And every time they flew, every time, they've got this big blue book. And they have it done by uh, a calligraphy guy, a calligraphist, who sort of does this thing, you know, this is to celebrate the flight of censor. And they get the Queen and Prince Philip to sign the next page. So they've got pages and pages and pages and pages of just the Queen's signature, Elizabeth R., and then underneath that, Philip. But at the beginning of the book, they've got Charles, Diana. And they've got... Now, each one of these signatures could be worth a serious amount of money. And so I'm looking at this book, and I said, I've never seen the Queen's signature so many times in a book. I mean, it really is. Every time she flies, you can imagine how many flights that would be, um, she signs the book for them, which is really lovely, because sometimes the royals take what they call a normal flight, a scheduled flight, in which case they'll put them into first class, but they'll remove some of the seats in front of them, and they'll do a different configuration. But in a lot of occasions, the Queen will charter an aircraft, so they'll have all their staff on board if they're, if they're going for an overseas visit. You don't have to sort of have them standing by the carousel waiting for something to come off. They're going, I think there's a bag missing. You know, we had 33 when we started. There's only 32 we've counted. So that's what... It's, it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm still waiting to see what happens, but uh, we were allowed to handle... I tried to pinch it. I was hoping that Paul Jarvis would let me take it, but very interesting. And here his wife were listening to the programme the other morning, so they knew I was looking forward to the breakfast. But if you noticed... Paul, I didn't eat anything. I didn't have any... Fr- I didn't like to lean over the table, actually. I thought it looked a bit rude. And I didn't, I didn't take a pastry. I thought, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try and pretend I'm thin for a change. So I, I just had half a cup of coffee. Adrian 
I don't know what Adrian Hayes didn't have anything to eat either, actually. He didn't have anything at all. I don't know how he copes with it, but there you go. But it was really, really interesting. We'll talk more about it on Sunday because it ties in with an opportunity for you to see these uniforms. You can go to this Heritage Centre. You've got to make an appointment. It's free. And it's up in uh, up by Hatton Cross. So uh, they're, they're on the website. They have a have a very good website and it tells you all about it and how you can get in contact with it if you want to go and see all these things but you can see some of these vintage uniforms at uh, a special event taking place on the south bank which i think is called vintage and it takes place next i think friday saturday sunday i think on the 31st is when they've got the the british airways catwalk girls up there wearing these uniforms but they're amazing and you often wonder don't you how people get the other end and don't look creased and the answer is, most of these outfits didn't crease at all. They always looked, and they were designed, people look smart. But they had certain rules. The, the stewardesses were telling us that there were rules. For example, if you're walking through the airport, you must have all your buttons done up. If one person's got a button undone, then everybody else that you're walking through with your crew has got to do it. You've all got to look the same. You will always wear your hat when you're walking through the, uh, the terminal. You must never be seen with an alcoholic drink in your hand if you're in uniform. You must only ever wear your uniform for work. You don't wear it. All right, if you're nipping out on the way home and you've got to go past Waitrose or M&S, then you, you can do that. You must never be seen smoking wearing your uniform. It's so strict. I'm not surprised that some people fall, fall by the wayside. It was a total education. Totally. It's the changing of the clothes, though, because I managed to get the other end. And you feel a bit dishevelled, don't you? You feel like you really need to stand in one of these booths from Star Wars where they go, and all of a sudden you look pristine. Because I've never managed to look pristine. I always look crumpled. I've just got one of those bodies, I think, that makes me look crumpled all the time. But it was very, very interesting. So this coming Sunday, we'll, we'll put the pictures up and we'll tell you more about vintage. And uh, we'll give you some more details on the British Airways Heritage Centre and Wayne Hemingway. As well. It was, it was a very, very interesting day. Very interesting. And so we got back from that, and I got back home again, and then the heavens opened. And that was a, that kind of wrote off yesterday, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says you've got Don's name right first time, so don't worry. Worry. Donica. I'm getting better at it, aren't I? I mean, you have to admit, at the age I am now. Uh, Steve, says Paul, regarding the Jordan and Peter phone hack story. Has anybody told her it's answer phone messages that were being hacked unless they were sending intimate audio recordings between each other and their friends how boring would it be and as peter's on record as saying they didn't get too busy in the in the bedroom would it be hours of total silence or worse still snoring yes because pete sat there they had to put them on separately i remember watching it on the paul o'grady show because every time they went on there he would sit there going look she's not letting me get a word in edge this is when they were perhaps in the final throes of struggling with this ghastly relationship and um and so they brought her on first, and then she did her usual. The press and the media were all saying, like, things about me and, like, Pete, and, like, because she's so insecure. And then they brought him on, and, and she was sort of going on about the bedroom. And then he went, but there isn't any action, is there? You know, and so, so and as somebody pointed out earlier on, why would they bother to hack? Just pick up a copy of any of the, the cheap tabloids. You can read what they do, because she sold every aspect of her story. Every single, we know everything about her. In fact, even stuff you don't want to know about. Uh, I did watch, because I missed it, the 16-year-old drag queen. Fair play to him for wanting to be himself, but hardly think that mincing up and down his garden wall in a pair of rolled-up skinny jeans to the strains of Patsy Cline's Walking After Midnight was the way to go, love. I, I saw a clip of it as well, and to be honest with you, he just looked to me like a silly 16-year-old who wanted to put makeup on and mince down the pub with his friends. But it, he, he said he wanted to be like Paul O'Grady or RuPaul. Paul O'Grady and RuPaul, they're... They're impersonators. 
You didn't see Danny LaRue mincing down the road in one of his frocks. He wore it for work. It was his job. That's what he did. You know, mincing up and down your garden, you know, with makeup on is just a little bit sad, I'm afraid, really. And for a 16-year-old, I mean, I remember Dale and I, years and years ago, we went to Sheffield. And we went to a bar up there. It was like stepping back into the 70s. You move out of London, and London is so fast-moving and is so cosmopolitan and so many things going on, to watch sort of silly queens mincing up and down, calling everybody by girls' names, was just like a throwback about 40 years ago. And that's what I felt with this, with this poor six-year-old drag queen. He appeared to have no talent at all. Whereas you look at Paul O'Grady, and I've known Paul for years, and what he does is a finely honed act. I mean, he worked his little socks off years ago. He worked his socks off. It was, it was just brilliant. There are so many people out there who do, do do that, and they're very clever. And he was one of those. Just, you know, a 16-year-old to dress up and sort of go up and down. It's a small wonder the neighbours didn't, didn't like him and all the people around the village. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. By the way, how about a quick word, he said, with Mr Murdoch, as they can count up what people are watching on set-top boxes. Surely they can work out how many are listening to you there as well. They, well, this was a thing that came up some years ago. Kelvin McKenzie came up with uh, something that was built into a radio which would tell you which station somebody was tuned to. A friend of mine's got one of these set-top boxes and it will tell the TV companies what he watches, which channel and for how long. And it didn't seem to be too difficult to incorporate it into radios, that you put this thing in and then it transmitted every so often, a bit like having one of those automatic remote clocks where it changes by itself. And... uh, and, and that gave you a more accurate picture of exactly who was listening to the radio at any one time. I thought it was a brilliant idea. I don't know why they never adopted it, because the survey that they do for radio, I think, is based on so many people, and for that they can gauge how many... I, don't, I really don't understand how it works. I really don't. I, I thought that Kelvin's idea seemed fairly good, and I thought maybe that, that might have been used, but uh, it turns out not to have been. But there must be an easier way, mustn't there? Uh, Steve, am I, I thought you might like to hear, says Julietta, about my unusual prize. Back in February... The quiz team I was part of won a charity quiz which was organised to raise money to maintain the community narrowboat Dick's Folly. She says, our prize was a day out on a narrowboat. We'd arranged to take the trip last Saturday, started out from Brentford in the pouring rain. By the time we reached the Fox in Hanwell at lunchtime, we looked like drowned rats. Luckily, the rain stopped and we were able to operate the rest of the locks and steer the boat without getting drenched. We even had a beautiful sunset as we continued our journey past the huge Tesco at uh, Bullsbridge and Nestle at Hayes, arriving at Cowley at dusk. We all enjoyed it and we'll do it again. I've been on a narrow boat. Aren't they lovely? It's, 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 you know, I quite like to see her next door on a narrow boat. I can just see her there, you know, with a little captain's cap at a jaunty angle, steering the back of the boat, you know, careering into everybody else, you know, mowing down ducks and things like that. Because it, it's quite peaceful out there on the canals. That's how we used to transport stuff. Down at, um, um, uh, middle of London, they've got the Regent's Park Canal. And that's lovely to go down. That is lovely to go down. You can go and take a boat trip. Very therapeutic. I told you before, I've taken boats from Richmond and I've just gone up to Hampton Court Palace. It takes about an hour and a half. It's so worth it. Although I've just noticed they put the prices up the other day. It's about eight quid return from Richmond. But to be honest with you, four pound each way for just sitting there watching the world go by is lovely. You know, you don't need a commentary. You just sit there and and just think, oh, it must be lovely. It's exactly the same trip, of course, that Henry VIII took when he used to come up from London. But then it took them about three or four days and they would arrive at Hampton Court with this... It just took forever on horseback. So they did it on boat. And that's why at Hampton Court they've got the huge clock there which shows the tides in London and at Hampton Court. 
Interesting. Uh, Bridget says, off to see, to see Priscilla again today to celebrate the start of my school holiday. What is this? 42 times now. This woman has seen... I mean, she knows everybody. She knows everybody. I'd love to hear from somebody. We're going to talk to Roger Foss later on about Ghost, which has, uh, which has opened. If you went to see it, let me know, please. Noreen was in Norwich. I know Norwich reasonably well, actually. I've I was going to say something quite awful. My grandmother's ashes are scattered in Norwich. Not over the whole of Norwich, but in a, in a cemetery up there. And, uh, and my Uncle Jack as well. I think he's also scattered up there. I quite like uh, Norfolk. It's, it's nice and flat, isn't it? And it's a sort of place... You'd, I know, I know. I wanted to put her in an egg timer, but they weren't having anything to do better. with it. Would have been better, wouldn't it? People keep them, though, don't they? People keep ashes. I'm going to keep yours. Oh, I am. Sweet. I am. So I'm, I'm going to go before you... Well, yes, of course. I mean, that's, that's patently obvious. <laughs> Even though men traditionally go the, the other way round, don't they? 84850 steve at It's Thursday morning in London town, and it's quarter to six. These are the headlines. European leaders have been urged to do what it takes to ensure the stability of the euro at emergency talks in Brussels later. David Cameron's facing pressure over claims he had discussions about Rupert Murdoch's bid to take full control of B Sky B. It's after Culture Secretary Jeremy Hunt said any conversations the Prime Minister held about News Corporation's planned takeover would have been irrelevant. And police blocked off a road in Forest Gate last night in raids targeting drug dealing. Around 120 officers took part in the operation on Romford Road. Four people were arrested and Class A drugs were seized. Check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. That is available now. <laughs> morning, you're very nice of your company. 13 minutes to six. Hugh says, Amanda's just the right size to shovel coal from a narrow boat hold. The perfect canal accessory. <laughs> you could put her on a keychain, couldn't you, really, Hugh, actually, and sort of have her dangling from your belt, and every so often go, we need some more coal, and then just drop her into the hole with a little tiny s- shovel, and she could shovel the coal up there. Because if you're tall, it's hopeless. So for, for you and me, us six-footers... It's, uh, we'd have to be bent double. Well, I'm nearly six foot. I'm an inch and a half off six foot. It doesn't make that much difference. Do you think, as I, as I was reading the news a moment ago, police blocking off the road in Forest Gate, 120 officers to arrest four people. Seems a bit excessive, doesn't it? 120. 120 people. Mind you, he gets drug dealers off the road. I'm pleased about that. So, Noreen was in Norwich. Weather great. Isn't it funny? Down here. Terrible. And uh, much love and get well soon to our Jan who's not very well at the moment. Jan, get well soon. Lots of love. And also get well soon to Peter, because he goes to all the shows. Oh, don't, don't, not any illness today on a Thursday. You know why people are ill at the moment? It's this blasted weather change. You know, we, we go from hot to cold to medium to hot again and then sweat it. Oh, it's ghastly. It really is absolutely dreadful. So, uh, Peter and Jan, get better soon, please, for all of us. Uh, Steve, I know you don't want non-London listeners, but I'm in Bristol and I love your programme. Says, will you go away? I've told you before, if you're out of London, except, uh, except if we're in Liverpool, Manchester or Ireland, we don't want you. Unless there's some new system they could come up with to say that, you know, all these people are now included in your figures. I wish they included, I said yesterday, the podcasting figures, because that would be fantastic for us. Because not everybody can wake up at five in the morning. I include myself and her next door. I mean, sometimes we do have trouble in that department where, you know, you've got to do it every day. And, and, and she's struggling today. I mean, you can tell she's struggling because sometimes you look at her and she's kind of glazed over. She's dreaming, Hugh, I think, of, the, of her very own coal shovel. That's it. I mean, that would be an accessory, you know, after the fact, wouldn't it? Uh, Steve, you were talking about cabin crew the other days when they were like models. We just returned from Cape Verde. The crew was so fat they could just get up the aisle and they were very shabby, says Cheryl. 
Actually, I've, I've went on one airline once, and some of the crew were slightly overweight. And I thought they had to... I mean, they used to be. I mean, if you looked at all the girls yesterday, they were all model figures. I mean, they were slim. I mean, and I was looking at one of them thinking, what it must be like to be able to get your hands around your waist. How nice than that. And I remember lying in bed once, and you could, you could hold your tummy in, and it almost made you... We used to sort of joke about, oh, you could see your rib cage. Now, I know it's in there, I just don't know how far in the ribcage is. I'm not even sure if it's holding me up together. Terrible, isn't it? Uh, Nick Ferrari, this morning at seven, Parliament's about to go into recess. Yet the hacking scandal continues. Does this show the public how seriously MPs are really taking this crisis? Uh, Nick will be debating whether there is really a need for a six-week break. Also be looking at the potential debt crisis facing both Europe and America, and what the implications could be for Britain should either economy collapse. He'll be speaking to Simon Hughes... And after looking at a comprehensive cast of characters through Hacking Gate, Nick will want to know who's emerged the hero and who the villain. All that and more this morning with Nick Ferrari at seven o'clock. We'll have a chat to Roger Foss at about quarter past six this morning. He went to see Ghost last night with Richard Fleishman. What was it like? You'll get first-hand information a little bit later on this morning. Uh, Daily Mirror. They've got pictures of the, uh, the nurse held on the hospital poison threats. Cameron. Yesterday hit by... Do you know, poor old Mr Burko yesterday in the House of Commons for doing the Prime Minister's question time. Every so often they had a question coming from some people and then people started booing and shouting. He's going, order! Listen, you've heard the right honourable gentleman or lady over here. They've, they've you know, given their... Qu- now they're doing this, you know, for goodness sake. You just wanted to say to them, you, noisy one, out, stupid little person. So many MPs, you've got no idea who they are. You watch them, and, and, you th- and some of them are just not very good at question time, because it takes, takes quite, a, quite a thing to stand up there in front of all these people. And they all know that they're on television, so they're all looking at the monitors to make sure they're all being seen properly. That ghastly David Lammy was on asking a question. I can't bear He went out with Junta Pong, didn't he, I believe? And then she's disappeared. Now, where's she gone to? Junta Pong, who apparently got an award because she interviewed the Prime Minister about something. Explain that one to me, ladies and gentlemen, because I certainly couldn't explain it. Uh, also in the paper, Rihanna's violent ex is not only a lousy boyfriend, he's a neighbour from hell. This is uh, Chris Brown, I'm afraid. And um, Dappy's in all the papers today. It's not his real name, is it? I don't know what his real name is, actually. Dappy. I quite like their music, though. I'm a, I'm not a little bit of a fan. I just think it, it doesn't really encourage people in, you know, who are at school at the moment... To, uh, to sort of do anything and, and learn. Paris Hilton was having a bit of a mare the other day. She turns up on a, on a TV show, and uh, the interviewer, Dan Harris, this was for the ABC News at her L.A. mansion. It's not a mansion. It's just a normal house, but it's Paris Hilton's. And, uh, and he said, you know, do you not think that you're past it? <laughs> Which, of course, is the kind of thing you say to her, because she is thick as a brick. And remember, of course, she had those little... <laughs> problems a short while ago where she lied through her teeth and uh, she's never actually done anything anyway she's she walked off she walked off and and said well I, I, I don't want that being shown anyway then obviously somebody said to her go back go back you're ruining it so she had to eat humble pie and go back there she said i've been doing this for 15 years so it's important always to reinvent yourself I mean, I mean to be honest with you she's made a lot of money through absolutely doing nothing at all through being paris hilton you know, not an heiress to the Hilton fortune at all. Nothing to do with it, OK? Nothing to do with it. Because if you remember, they sold most of the Hilton group a short while ago and she never got a penny piece. So she's had to go out there. Her father's uh, an estate agent, or as they call them over there, a realtor. Or realtor. Here's uh, Eamon Holmes touching Jordan's thigh 
because uh, she's quashing reports that too much dieting had left them wrinkly. He didn't need to touch them for that. Don't need to see that kind of thing on the television. We really don't. Thank you very much indeed. And Bond bosses have ordered Daniel Craig to pile on the pounds after they thought he went too scrawny in his movie. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Which, which was the best Bond? Which do you think was the best Bond? Because I like Roger Moore. I thought... I knew, <laughs> Prince Charles was also in many of the films, as you can imagine. I, I always thought that he, he was the best one. I thought he was quite good. I know a lot of the ladies liked Sean Connery because he was rugged and handsome. And he wore a toupee. And, uh, and that was quite nice. Although I've heard tell that he's not the nicest person in the world. But there again, he's an actor. Actors are like that. They throw their sort of... Who was that Australian one who kept throwing wobblies all over the place? Russell Crowe. Oh, dear. He was another one, wasn't he? He's from New Zealand, is he? Oh, right. Is he? But anyway, d- didn't he try and do something? And they went, oh, sorry, what was your accent? What was the accent? He was Robin Hood or something. Nobody's got any idea. It was all over the place. I was, I was, I was watching something called Hannibal on the television this morning, the film Hannibal, and it was Colin, an Irish, no, an Irish actor. Colin, is it Colin Firth? No, no, it's not Colin Firth. It was somebody else in it. Who was, can somebody tell me who the woman was? The acting was so abysmally awful. And some of the massacre scenes where they're massacring elephants look so realistic. You begin to wonder, you've got horses going, all of a sudden an arrow appears in its neck, and you think, oh, dear me, don't like that kind of thing. I do feel sorry for DJ Mick Brown. I'll tell you the story about Mick Brown. Mick Brown used to work years ago. He had a single out, I think, with Pat Sharp, and he's very big on the circuit, probably about my age, I would think. (laughs) Not a bit older. And anyway, he he went to work for a, a radio station in Southampton called Play Radio. Play Radio went, went bust, they went into administration, and he didn't get his money. So he engaged a company uh, called UK Debt Collection. To ch- this is in the Mirror today, incidentally, in the Penman and Summerlad column. And he engaged them to chase his money. The outfit, a trading name of Armitage Credit Control, was going to charge him 15% for getting his, his money back. So as with all these things, and I can tell you now, in 90% of cases, they're not successful. I know this because we have people who've lived where I live... And they owe money all over the place and they get the debt letters and it says, we are now going to be coming round to uh, to enter your property. I thought, this is the tenth letter you've sent in two years and you've still not turned up. So anyway, uh, Mick got his cheque. Armitage had kept 33%, not the 15%, plus £883 in miscellaneous costs. It turned out that every time he sent them an email, they charged him £25. When he sent them an email, they charged him. Anyway, under pressure, the Armitage director, Nigel Marsh, admitted the 33% fee was an error and offered to return the difference, but insisted their agreement allowed him to keep all property-incurred expenses. Properly incurred. Mick stood his ground, took Armitage to Kingston-upon-Thames County Court, and won. He was awarded £2,126.82. So far, he's seen not a penny piece. The court awarded him the money. He's been paid nothing. And uh, the Mirror lads, Penman and Summer lads, said we know of three unpaid county court judgments against Armitage, totalling more than £20,000. Marsh from March in Cambridgeshire told us that Armitage had stopped trading and it was trying to address the debts. When they called the office, he's still trading as UK Debt Collections using the website uk-debtcollection.com and a new company name, UK Debt Collect Limited. And the Mirror say beware. OK? Because if you do use them, the chances are you won't get your money. 
saying as poor Mick Brown didn't get his either. Shameful, really, isn't it? Shameful. And I'm happy to bring you that story, because if there are crooks out there and they're cheating people, we have to tell people about it. Especially if they're exposed by the newspapers. And when people go to the county court, they then think, oh, great, I'm going to get him my money back. Uh, not in the case of Mick Brown. And as you discovered only a short while ago, when Danny Baker said, after he'd had his, uh, his, his cancer scare, he needed to, to borrow some money. Because for some reason, radio presenters don't... You know, a few people earn really, really good money. I mean, really good money. Some people earn really good money. And uh, some people don't. The, the, the trick is to save. The trick is to save your money. But, of course, it's a bit difficult when you're out partying and having a bit of a time, you know, and being... You know, luckily, I'm at that age now where, frankly, partying leaves me cold. I can't think of it. I'm just as happy to sit down and have an iced bun and a cup of tea. Well, not the iced bun, because I have to take the icing off the top of it. But apart from that, you know, you've just got to be careful. So our commiserations go to Mick Brown. Hopefully, eventually, he might get his, uh, his money back. Uh, you'll get your life back after the news when we've got more on LBC. Arsenal Football Club. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. Thursday morning in London town. It's wet. It's another wet day. I wish I could offer you a crumb of comfort and say it's not going to be wet today. But it is, I'm afraid. As Jim tells me, generally quite cloudy. Bright spells likely showers this afternoon, which could be heavy and thundery. For that read, there's even more of this stuff coming down out of the heavens. Uh, the pollen forecast, the good news there is it's low. Currently 14 degrees. It'll reach 19, which is cooler than yesterday. Tonight, I'm afraid, heavy showers continuing. Uh, from the evening into the night, most areas dry towards morning, minimum 10 centigrade tomorrow. Sunny spells, scattered heavy showers again, I'm afraid. And for uh, Saturday, rather cool, breezy, some sunshine, but also showers. It's just non-stop. Sunday, mainly dry and feeling warmer. And then Monday, cloudier with the risk of light showers again. We are in British summertime, aren't we? We are actually. Is this the time where we wear shorts? Not, I'm afraid, not with my... It doesn't feel at all like summer. I almost feel as though we're going into sort of autumnal weather. And for all those people who went out there and bought their summer wardrobe going, oh, I've got this. When have you worn it? The answer is, you have no idea when to wear it because the weather is just so dreadful. Don't forget, Sunday, uh, just uh, as we start the breakfast show on Sunday at seven, um, we're going to be putting up the uh, pictures of all the British Airways outfits from the crew over, I think, 50 years or something like that. It's absolutely fantastic because there is a special event taking place in London over on the South Bank Centre next, I think it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll check it out, uh, which is going to be put together by Wayne Hemingway. They did it in a field, apparently, the other year, and they decided it was, it was too wet and horrible. So if they do it at the South Bank Centre, it's going to be really good. And it's called, I think, um, Vintage. And there's going to be everything vintage. There's going to be the biggest collection of vintage clothing, the stalls, there's everything. And I think on the Sunday, there's a BA catwalk show, which is showcasing all the... And you, you'll, you'll amaze yourself. When you see on Sunday how many of these out, you'll be going, I recognise that outfit. Remember that outfit? Oh, goodness me, definitely remember that one. And uh, for Bryn and Annie, who are listening at the moment, the answer to your question, Bryn, is yes, please. OK, so that's all I had to say for that one. You'll all be going, well, what the dickens was that one about? Actually, I'll tell you what it is. It's, um, it's a tribute luncheon to Lord Michael Grade, which uh, I've been invited to. It's not till September, and uh, it's part of the, uh, the fabulous granddaughter of Water Rats. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, going to that one. And my very good friends down at the Christmas shop in Tooley Street, Elaine and David Thompson, have sent me a music box Christmas creation. It's music to play in the car. Listen, do not think that I'm not playing Christmas music already in the car, because sadly, at the moment, we're currently running the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, because I had a bit of a fantasy 
the other day that if I'd won the 161 million, which as you now know I didn't, even though I look very similar to the man who did win it, there was an uncanny similarity. A lot of people say, you sure it's not you? I said, listen, I'm answering the phone to you. You really think it's me? And, uh, and I thought that I would hire the Royal Albert Hall, having been in it yesterday and realised what a lovely space. We'd have Chris Christodoulou to take the best pictures we've ever had of anywhere because he's on home territory. And I would love to do a show down there and uh, bring on some LBC people. And then, as a big surprise, bring on the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and a full orchestra. Unfortunately, we didn't win the lottery, so it's not happening. So just in case you think, oh, that'd be a good idea. It is a good idea, but it's, it's not going to happen at the moment. Uh, there was a twister pictured in the paper today. I didn't think we got twisters in this country. This is one over, over Leamington Spa. It hovered. A hundred-foot tornado. A hundred-foot... I just thought it was one of those things that took place in, in Kansas. I never thought we actually got twisters in this country. But, uh, but we do. 84850, steve at uk. My parents, instead of going to Blackpool again, says Lynn, took me and my brother to the Norfolk Broads. A complete disaster. Complete disaster. Apparently, thank you. Very cold today, isn't it? It's very, yeah. It is a bit cold. Yeah. A little bit cold. Doesn't matter. You can always put a, put a coat on or something. Uh, apparently, can, yes. you can put a coat, yes, I know. Yeah. A bit like the British Airways girls. Apparently we lost all the sandbags on the boat and I remember playing football with brother and down on the grass as my mum was making dinner floating out to sea. Ha! Back to Blackpool again a year later. I hated Blackpool. I thought it was the most ghastly place I'd ever been to. I really thought it was the most dread... I couldn't think of anything worse than Blackpool. The, the further up the country you go... The train was lovely. The train journey was, was fantastic. And I, I didn't buy a ticket for that. No, that was, um, <laughs> that was given to me. I was given a... T- I don't know how I get given these tickets. I was just trying to explain to Amanda, because she, she doesn't quite understand how it works. I said, well, if I was an MP, I'd be getting lots of free things in spas and everything else. I said, but I'd, I haven't actually ever bought a train ticket. And so she went, oh, no, no, Because no. she, she apparently has bought a super saver. I think she bought it on the Tuesday, which means she can use it Wednesday to Saturday, but only if there's an R in the month and if the train driver's called Kevin or something. I think that's how it works. Because nobody understands train tickets. I have no idea at all. I've just... I remember thinking they're very expensive. I have an Oyster card, and I do get on the train in the morning with a great unwashed. I try not to sit next to any of them, because my train appears to be full of workers who get on carrying chainsaws, angle grinders, spirit levels. We never used to see this years ago. It's only recently that it's uh, that it started uh, doing it. Uh, Colin Farrell was the Irish actor in Hannibal. Ghastly film. It was so awful. Who was the woman? Neil, the courier, says Roger Moore was the best Bond. Amanda could be a Bond girl. Um, no, no. I don't, I don't think she'd want to be a Bond girl. I don't think that would be... I mean, she'd have to be the love interest. She wouldn't want to be a Bond girl, because Bond girls just sort of, you know, flip around. She could emerge from the sea, I suppose. She does that bit quite well. Towel under her arm, you know, hair tied back, usual sort of thing. And uh, Dell says, you do make us laugh in the morning. What a lovely quality to have. I know, and coupled with looks... I mean, for goodness sake, looks, talent, perfect looks for radio. Perfect looks. I mean, you know, I couldn't be better looking. Don't go to the LBC website, please. I find it far too embarrassing. People write in going, oh, that's you, is it? And you go, yep. Steve says, the 60-year-old drag queen was not silly. I nearly turned off after 10 minutes. So if you watched the whole programme, you changed your mind. No, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have changed my mind at all. I just, I don't think you need to put people like that on the... Te- at 16, you do not need to put those people on the television. He's not going to have a career at 16, I'm afraid. Uh, it's already six months since my sister Julia died, and we've already raised about £3,000, says Jan, for ovarian cancer, which is good. They've got a charity lunch fundraiser on the 25th of August. And by the way, when are you coming back to Croydon? 
Um, good Lord, Croydon. Do you know, I fantasised over doing a show in Croydon as well with the Mormon Tabernacle Choir and the Huddersfield Choral Society, who I'm a big fan of, because they do all the carols. They, they, you have to try and pick up on the... The, uh, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, because they do carols in a slightly different way. But the Huddersfield Choral Society are brilliant. They're really good. Check them out on, on iTunes or on Amazon, because they do all the carols, and it's really good. Orchestra, chorus, everything. Fantastic. Quarter past six. <laughs> News headlines, it's Sam Pittis. European leaders are meeting to design a second massive... Apparently, more than half of Brits, and that's you lot listening at the moment, when you go abroad, you buy fakes. Apparently, half of you go there. Apparently, Spain, Thailand, Greece and China are the most popular countries for travellers to buy fakes. Two-thirds of people questioned said they knew they were buying counterfeit goods, but a gullible third of them believed they were buying a genuine product at a fraction of the price. I've said to you before, don't buy anything that's got a label on it on eBay. Shoes, handbags, sunglasses, anything. 99.9% of it, fake rubbish. Do not buy it, OK? If you want to be seen in fakes, because I think you could look at somebody and go, you couldn't afford to wear those glasses. If they were genuine, you could not afford to buy them. You know, you could not... I see girls going along with Chanel handbags. You know they're fake, because nobody walks through Twickenham with a Chanel handbag, let me tell you. Uh, we'll have a chat to uh, Roger Foss in one uh, moment. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's a picture here of a, of a man in a village. This is in... Uh, the Assam region in uh, Prakashnagar. And how they caught this picture, I've got no idea. But anyway, this uh, man is walking through the village and out of the undergrowth launches itself a rampaging leopard. And it leaps at him, opens its jaws and clamps them round this poor man's head. Luckily, there were other people there. I mean, obviously, somebody taking pictures... How oh, you get these pictures? I've got no idea. Quite amazing. Uh, unfortunately, the animal was, um, was tracked down and tranquilised. And uh, and then it, it died before it regained consciousness. Obviously too much tranquilizer, I suppose. Uh, we've got a text question for you coming up in a moment as well, which I'd like your help on. And uh, first of all, now we're off to the theatre. We're going to get our very big bucket of popcorn. There was a lovely picture in Country Life this week. It comes out on Wednesday, which I always buy just in case I win the lottery and I need to move quickly. And it's a picture of a train at Waterloo Station for the railway children. And it re- it's doing fantastic business, it really is. I wonder whether or not Ghost is going to do the same fantastic business. Our man, Roger Foss, was in the front row. Uh, well, he was certainly there with his bucket of popcorn. And Richard Fleishman's mum, Sue Jenkins, ex of Brookside, and his dad were directly in front of us. Sue was practically singing along with her son from beginning to end. Didn't get the greatest reviews. Let's see what our man thought of it. Morning, Roger. Good morning, Steve. Yes, that's right. Sue Jenkins sitting in front there. Very anxious mum... I mean, you can't blame her, can you? No. And uh, just before the show, she was on a on a BlackBerry, obviously texting <laughs> her son backstage. I would have no. thought. And afterwards, she said she'd actually seen it, seen ghosts twelve times. Well, you, wow. yeah, I suppose you would really if your if your son is starring in a West End musical. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, lots of lots and lots of ghostly goings on at the Piccadilly Theatre. And at one point with. So many spirits coming and going. I thought, oh, it's it's like Panto. I wanted to shout, "He's behind you!" You know, <laughs> when, when he appears in the in the flat, and she's not sure if he's there. And I mean, you know, it's it is actually a, a fantastic spirits rising from the bo- bodies and dead people walking through walls and flying to heaven and people swirling into hell, all the baddies swirling into hell. And like Richard Friedman's character, um, living in this sort of uh, 
odd limbo between earth and heaven mm. and seeking revenge. I, I, I mean, I, I did feel like the Piccadilly Theatre has become a kind of haunted house. And at one point I thought, maybe, of course, the ghost of Patrick Swayze, who starred in the original film with um, Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg, but also appeared on the Piccadilly, Piccadilly Theatre stage in Guys and Dolls. I thought maybe Patrick Swayze's ghost is kind of haunting this show in some mm. way or another. Or I like to think that anyway, but... I think it's interesting because you, you don't really need to know the film to enjoy this stage version. The story is very strong. Hmm. And, and, and al- almost you, you don't really need music to add to have, it. Have, so ha- ha- have, have they followed the film plot on this one? Yeah. I think anyone... Look, I, I, I remember the film coming out. I mean, that's 20-odd years ago, isn't Good it? And, I, and at the time, I must say, when it, it did originally come out, it was all a bit difficult for me because a, a very young friend of ours... Uh, had died just around that time. And, of course, with all this uh, um, uh, reincarnation and stuff in it, I, I thought, oh, dear, you know, it was difficult. But um, it, it's, it's, it's the film story, but there's a lot of things that fans of the film will be very disappointed about. I think, you know, that famous scene with the pottery, the phallic, raunchy pottery sequence to Unchained Melody... I didn't like that at disappoint. all. I well, I mean, you know, the the, uh, the American actress playing that role, Cassie Levy, was brilliant in Hair, and she, when that was on here in the West End, she mm. plays the girlfriend. She she actually makes a pot on stage, oh. a bit like in Love Story, where <laughs> which is also another weepy, where she makes a, an entire meal on stage, or she <laughs> she did when that we had that in the West End. I mean, you know, she makes this pot, but it ha- it has none of the raunchiness of the. Um, the original in the film, yeah. and I thought, well, I don't know actually why you need to put it in. It's a bit like that moment, you know, the famous sexual moment in the cafe and when Harry met Sally. Yes. It, it, when they did the stage version of When Harry Met Sally, that, that sequence kind of fell flat. Mm. But um, I think it's a film moment you know, like, bit, that, because it, it was Demi Moore, and be- I, I think it was, it was because she had one of those great faces, you know, yeah. and she, she did tears well, and it was... It was. Yeah. It was just. It was able to be done. When you're when you're on stage, you've got the distractions. If they were being filmed and they just projected their faces, then that would yeah, say it all. Right. But you're right. It's it's a difficult thing to to convey on stage and get the same meaning over because we all remember the film. Yeah, exactly. And it's all over very quickly. And I thought, oh dear, you know, this is one of the highlights, surely. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, it's it's actually because we've got so many West End shows based on movies like Shrek and. Betty Blue Eyes, and I mean, you know, that awful Umbrellas of Sherbet we had a little while ago. But this this <laughs> show is actually like being in a movie because the sets and the digital video projections are absolutely stunning. And mm. it feels like you're actually on this trip into the streets of New York. You know, you're in the offices. You're in the office where he works. Suddenly then you're on the streets of Brooklyn, then you're in the New York subway. Mm. And uh, I've got to say, the subway sequence is, is quite astonishing. And I, I thought afterwards, blindly, I, I'm never going to get the tube again without wondering <laughs> who, who's a ghost and who isn't. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> that would really, really impress me. I love that. I remember him doing the tube thing where he was learning to jump through carriages and then on and off, and then it was flicking, yeah. the, flicking the, uh, the lid, wasn't it? The bottle top or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some pretty, yeah things like um, in this on stage, you know, uh, when he meets the ghost on the on the underground on the, on the subway, it's uh, things like teaching him 
how to uh, touch things. And mm. there's a great moment when Richard Fleishman reaches out for the cigarette packet and his hand goes through it. And, and there's lots and lots of moments like that which mm. are, are really breathtaking. Um, musically, I've got to say, I mean, the best song is surely still The Righteous Brothers, yes. Unchained Melody. I mean, oh, when that comes on, I know you've got to join in. It's just fantastic. The trouble is, I was reading. I was reading reviews of this during the week, and uh, they said it was soppy, sentimental. They didn't rate the songs either, but they did enjoy the magical effects. Yeah, well, I, I, I would say actually that um, a, a lot of critics, you know, sometimes don't quite get musicals, and I think musically, Dave Stewart, the Eurythmics, and mm. this uh, and Glenn Ballard is a record producer. I mean, they've they've actually got come up with a, a really two really brilliant ballads that are kind of, you know, almost up there in heaven. I mean, you could imagine them being recorded as singles, but, of course, on stage, when you've got, um, well, you know, Casey Levy playing the girlfriend and Richard Fleishman, who, by the way, I mean, as a ghost, is very fleshy. I mean, he's got very sort of muscly and ripply as he's kind of trained, I suppose, for this role. I mean, he, he's, he's now a heartthrob, but, mm. um, I mean, it's, it just feels like, you know, she is in grief for most of the show, <laughs> and he has to look around on stage. I mean, nobody can look at him, of course, because he's a ghost, no. so they can't see him, and it means that he's not really looking at anybody and having to stand around lo- a lot. Does he start off as a um, ghost, or he starts off as a real person, then becomes a ghost? Oh, he starts off as a real person, then, of course, right. he's killed. It's all to do with this crime story and, yes. uh, and revenge, and, and he knows who, who the murderer is, and he knows who the, um, who, who, who's the crook, and, and he wants to save his girlfriend from, you know, danger. And, and so it, it, there's a lot of drama in that. But, you know, the big star of the show, of course, is Paul Keyes. This show wouldn't work without Paul Key's illusions. I mean, you know, Richard Fleishman walks through walls, he, he shoots out of the moving train, he, he, he inhabits the body of, of Sharon D. Clark as the black, bogus medium. He actually vanishes into thin air. I mean, Paul Key's haunting il- magical illusions, they would easily fool Penn and Teller. They are absolutely brilliant, and, uh, and, and that's worth going for. Mm. And also uh, Sharon D. Clark as this... Um, this uh, <laughs> bogus medium, medium is absolutely amazing. She she really kind of well, it's it's she's like a kind of ghostly encounter in herself. I mean, she yes. it's a character to die for. I thought, blimey, she comes on and does this huge number and uh, and steals the entire show in the second half. This uh, great soul number, are you a believer? It's the the role played by Whoopi Goldberg mm. in the film. So. Um, Yes, I, I mean, look, I, I, I think the show works because of the the, uh, the sets, the, the brilliant graphics, the projections, the amazing illusions. The music may not be the greatest theatre music, but it's very poppy. Mm. And the arrangements drive it along as well. It's a pity that the story, although it's very strong and, 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 and certainly a weepy, so take your hanky, no. um, it's... Um, it, 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 it's, I think there's something about the, 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 the girl being very kind of grief-stricken for most of the show. <laughs> Spends a lot of time in tears. <laughs> Spends a lot of time yeah. in tears, poor soul. 
Oh, absolutely. A little bit like, like, like the bloke who played Arthur Fowler in EastEnders. He spent most of his time looking depressed, which just kind of depressed... Eventually it depressed him, because he was playing yes, depressed. It must be difficult <laughs> crying throughout an entire evening. It's infectious. <laughs> yes, it is, terribly. So it's, it's a big but, thumbs up for you. The, the music, so-so, storyline, so-so, but the illusions and everything else carry it through. Yeah, the illusions are up there amongst the angels. I mean, just, and Sharon D. Clark too, will get an Olivia Award, I'm sure. So will the sets, and so will the illusions. Mm. Uh, by the way, did you see the, um, the, they've announced the Olivia Awards already for next year in mm. terms of dates, and that it's going to be at the Royal Opera House this time for the first time ever. Yes. And they're not doing it until April wow. 2012. I don't know why that is, but, uh, we shall find anyway, out. we'll have to find out why. We'll find out nearer the time. Um, All right, kiddo. Yeah. Listen, we'll leave it there, Roger, but thank you very much. Okay, Steve. We'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Yep. Yeah, bye. Bye. Roger Foss, our man in the theatre, and he loved Ghost. It's at the Piccadilly Theatre, if you can find it, because it's all roadworks around there and scaffolding and, and all the other stuff. Uh, the Olympic Velodrome building is being shortlisted for the UK's top architectural award, the Stirling Prize. What's your favourite London building? <coughs> doesn't matter whether you're, excuse me, in London at the moment or you're outside. Do let me know. 84850 or LBC973. So the Olympic Velodrome building is being shortlisted for the UK's top ar- architectural award, the Sterling Prize. What is your favourite London building? 84850 LBC973. I'd absolutely love to know which ones you're going to pick. Would it be one of my favourites? This is LBC97.3 and the time this Thursday morning, 6.30. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to 7. Colin thinks the actress from Hannibal is Julianne Moore. Um, I thought it was Beyonce for some reason. I don't know why. It was absolutely dreadful. It was just an appalling film. I don't know why I didn't like it. It was far, far too violent, I thought. Far too violent. Especially for that time of the morning that I was, uh, I was watching it. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Deborah said last year it was vintage Goodwood. Uh, that's right. But, uh... You're right. Mud, mud everywhere. And, uh, and he, he told us yesterday that uh, he decided it wasn't a good idea, and this is Wayne Hemingway, to do it in a field. She said it made Glastonbury look like a beach party. Sandy Shaw, Mick Hucknell, lots of tents, restaurants, discos, demonstrations of old arts and crafts, John Lewis tent, demonstrations with sewing machines, knitting, and sold out of Hunter's Wellies due to the weather. So there you go. Well, actually, it's, it's, taking, it's next week, isn't it? It's next... I think it's the... Uh, 29th, 30th, 31st, and it's over on the South Bank, so you, at least it's all undercover and everything else. Sounds wonderful. She says, are you coming back to the Millfield Centre in Edmonton? She know, we haven't. I'll tell you for why it's difficult for us to do the shows in the theatres now, because we can't get a Saturday night, because they've all got shows in, unless they don't have a show in, in which case we can pick a Saturday night and we can pick a, an afternoon and do two shows. So we'll do a, an afternoon show and then an evening show. But uh, then the other thing is it's, it's the travelling. It's the travelling for all the different people. And um, so that's why we sort of... We ended up picking The Mermaid. And uh, it's central London. So we'll, we'll have some dates coming up for you later in the year. My favourite is the London Library, says Jackie. A charming TARDIS with 14 miles of books inside. Uh, my favourite building on Gower Street is Waterstones, formerly Dillon's. Ben in Hornchurch said it's a natural history museum. Isn't it lovely? I do like that, actually, the natural history museum. You know, you can rent it for parties. For 161 million, I'd rent it for a party. We could have a small gathering, couldn't we? Sort of the, the Steve Allen early birds. 
and we could all we could all meet there very early. We could all meet at five in the morning. Actually, we'd start the party at five in the morning and go through to about nine or something like that. So it could just be breakfast. We could all meet for breakfast. Oh, how lovely! Actually, I didn't have breakfast yesterday at the Royal Albert Hall. I was too polite to eat the, to eat the fruits and the pastries. <laughs> Far too polite. Uh, Kenwood House, Steve. Westminster Abbey, that is... Do you know, the only thing I didn't like about Westminster Abbey was having to pay to go in it. I felt, as a British subject, and, and somebody who lives and works in London, albeit just outside, uh, that we should be allowed in for... I don't mind tourists paying for it, but I think you should better show your, your Oyster card or something like that, or your work card, and go, look, you know, it's, I mean, it's £12. And it is very busy in there. I mean, what they've done in Westminster Abbey is they've crammed as many people in as possible, dead and otherwise. And, and it is lovely. I mean, it, it really, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I love it to pieces. But I just think it's a bit expensive to go around. But then St Paul's Cathedral is quite expensive too. St Pancras Station, Victorian Class or Cabbies Green Shelters. I love St Pancras Station. I mean, that is good. I'm a big fan of stations. I'm not a, not a railway anorak in any way, shape or form. Chuff, 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 said Thomas. And I don't buy train tickets, as the producer will tell you. I'm, I'm not, a, not a buying train ticket sort of person, but I don't mind travelling on the, uh, the experience. And I do enjoy Michael Portillo's train journeys. I quite enjoy some of those. He goes to some, I want, I've decided, having seen yesterday on the television, I want to go to Harrogate. I've decided Harrogate looks really good. And, in fact, Kirsty Alsop, who's going to be with us for In Conversation this week, it was going to be last week, but then, uh, because of political changes, uh, we're going to put it on this week. Um... Went to Harrogate, and I said, did you go to Betty's of Harrogate? It's a very famous tea shop, and they make cakes and pastries, and they sell them all around the world. And she said, I didn't. I didn't have enough time. That's where I'd want to go. There is a cabbie's green shelter down at the bottom of... Thanks, Bobby. Um, down at the bottom of... Um, oh, dear, I can't remember the name of the street. Oh, I don't know. At least down to the embankment. And there's one down there. It's full of pigeons. The sooner we get rid of pigeons in London, the better. Uh, the happier I'll be. Kenwood House. I've done a documentary on Kenwood House. Not, sadly, on the LBC uh, archives. Best building, the one housing LBC and you, of course. Yes, it's a modern building, this one. It's, it is, although, actually, it's all being changed very shortly. The, uh, all the reception will all, be, all be, be new. I can't spoil it for you, because you might not have been here. In which case, perhaps, if you're... And I think the time to come to this building uh, will be when they open up Leicester Square next year. It's going to be ready next year for the Olympics. And then you can stand outside and you see our full glory. At the moment, we're sort of surrounded by scaffolding and hoardings and everything else. We can see into it, but you can't see through it. I don't seem to be actually doing anything at the moment. I'm watching very carefully. I can't wait to see what it's going to turn out like. Somewhere in the back of my mind, says Paul, when you went to Blackpool, am I right in thinking you stayed at, at number one, the boutique bed and breakfast that was in four in a bed? Yes. I did. I stayed at number one Blackpool because it was just outside of Blackpool. So you didn't actually have to meet anybody. Sadly, you had to go through sort of through, through Blackpool to get it. And it's a big house, which has only, I think, got... Uh, it might only be three letting rooms. And so you're in somebody's big house and it's got DVDs and everything else. It wasn't cheap. It was about £70 a night. But when you think, in London, £70 a night would be roughly the kind of hotel around, around Paddington Way. I thought it was actually very good value, and uh, they had all sorts of nibbles and had DVD screens in the bathroom and stuff like that. So that, that was quite good. And also, you then got to cook breakfast in the morning, and I think, if memory serves me, the lady who owns it could be called Avril. But, I, but don't, don't take my word for it. I thought it was actually quite nice. I thought it was very nice. We went up there. That was some years ago, but I insisted if I was going up there, I was going to stay, <laughs> stay somewhere good. Uh, definitely. Um, 
Morning. Work for BA and not heard about the new uniforms. You got a sneaky peek yesterday, so spill the beans, says Gary. Well, for you, Gary, it'll be hot pants and uh, a small off-the-shoulder blouse with a scarf at a rakish angle and a small pillbox hat. I think you'll look good. You know, I don't want to be... You know, it's... I mean, they are nice, the uniforms, but when you look at all the other ones, which you'll see on the website on... on Sunday, you'll agree that there's some really nice outfits, including the paper dress which was terribly popular with people. You know, men used to apparently go, could you just stretch up and put that in the... You know, just for all the uh, all the wrong reasons, I'm afraid. Uh, my favourite building, the Geological Museum, says Roy. Yes, they've all changed the museums. I, I do like the museums. I like the natural history. I like the geology museum. But it's changed inside, and I like the v I do like the v I love the v Mainly because the cafe in there is so good... I mean, it re- and you don't have to pay to go in. They ask for a donation, but they don't, they don't push you for it. And also, all those people who are queuing on a... It's my tummy, I'm afraid. I need some food. And... Because I never got breakfast yesterday. But uh, all the people who queue, I think on a Saturday, outside the Natural History Museum, my advice is go in through the Geology Museum. That way you don't need to queue. And, of course, the Geology Museum is not as popular with sort of adults, and they all queue, and the queue goes all the way around the block for the Natural History Museum, because the kids want to go in and see dinosaurs and a blue whale and all the rest of it. But if you go in through the Geology Museum, it's so much easier, Okay, and just just link up in the middle. Much, much better. And if you think you're going to Madame Tussauds, if you're a tourist, hello, hello, welcome to London. Welcome to some of the worst food on the planet. But anyway, there you go. That's, that's, we don't have reputations for great food unless you pay a lot of money for it. And if you're thinking of going to Madame Tussauds today, my advice, buy a ticket online. If you buy it online, you avoid the queues. The queues the other day went down to Baker Street Station. I've never seen so many people queuing. I wouldn't mind. It's only Madame Tussauds. Have you been? I haven't been for ages. I remember going there some years ago with my mother, and she started talking to the woman in the, in the kiosk who was a, who was a dummy. Really embarrassing. My mother went, oh, I didn't know. I thought, you must have known. She's really quite mad. And there used to be a little old lady sitting at the bottom of the stairs and a a man to take tickets. My mother would talk to anybody. Uh, Steve, my favourite building is the BT Tower. I hope they open the restaurant again, says Joanna. 60s, I love the BT Tower. I remember it when it was open. I do remember. I never went there because apparently the food wasn't all that. But it was, it was like the views over London. Fantastic. Darren at Dartford Toll says mine has to be Tower Bridge. I loved it since I was a child crossing in it. An old Daimler with a full-length roof open. When I drive across it now, it brings back fond memories. I love things like that. Isn't that great? When you've got memories, that's good. Uh, Martin says, I love the renovated St Pancras Hotel. Yes. That is a good one, isn't it? That is a good one. If you've not been, go. It's worth it. Uh, And Matt says, it has to be Alexandra Palace or the London Underground Building. You know that there's a new station which they're opening up at Green Park? They finally started unveiling bits of it. And it looks as though it could be quite interesting. looks as though it could be quite interesting. Uh, Steve, the building I like is the Adelphi Building, off the Strand, facing the embankment next to the Savoy Hotel. I like the Savoy Hotel, actually. I do like... In fact, I like anything that borders the, uh, the Thames. I love places like that. There's so much architecture in London. There's so many places to go to that don't cost you very much money. There's so many places that you can just walk around for free. You can have an absolute field day. My favourite place is Lincoln's Inn Fields, once you've got over all the, the sort of tramps sleeping all over the place and the drunkenness. And the buildings there are fantastic. I mean, you could almost imagine that you were back in sort of Dickensian London. Walk through the law courts. There's a place to go to. And all the way round the back, there's some hidden treasures around the back of Lincoln's Inn Fields. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Really, really fantastic. Love them. Uh, Metro this morning on the front page. 
They've got the nurse being questioned on suspicion of murder after three patients feared to have been deliberately poisoned at the hospital where she worked. You need to um, podcast this programme to discover just how lethal uh, insulin can be to people who don't need insulin. And I mentioned Robert Craig Morgan's birthday, and uh, he's probably gone back to bed. He's in Ireland. I should imagine it's going to be a very stressful day today. He was in uh, Grange Hill as Justin Bennett celebrates his 40th, 47th birthday today. So many, many happy returns, Robert. Hope you have a, a lovely, lovely day. The uh, story on the front of the Daily Star is the fib of the day. Jordan and Peter, our sex secrets were hacked. When you read inside the Daily Star, it, uh, it turns out that they weren't and nobody's contacted them or anything else. Her hair's looking a little bit rubbish at the moment. In fact, never, I always kept thinking, every time I look at Jordan, that uh, she must be about 50 or something, but it turns out she's, she's, she's quite young. It's just with all this fake hair, which looks a little bit like something that our sofa was stuffed with years ago, uh, doesn't actually do her any favours at all. They're still doing diets today. If you're doing a diet, please don't do lighter life unless you're serious about doing a diet that will work short term, but then you've really got to work at it. Because I know a lot of people who've done lighter life, and that's the, that's the, the anti against it, against any diet, really, in that you've, you, it's for life. It's not just quick fix, you lose the weight and then it stays off. David Beckham is renting a lovely, uh, a lovely beach pile here. Uh, it's Steven Spielberg's home overlooking the ocean on a very exclusive piece of sand, and they pay £93,000 a month rental for this thing. It's quite nice, but in, in terms of, uh, you know, what these people normally have, I think you'd want to move into a hotel, wouldn't you? I suppose they, perhaps they don't want to move into a hotel. Just as happy here. It does look a very, very... It's all sand dunes. It's probably very nice. Not my sort of thing. Uh, one here. This is a, a woman who stole from her own mother. She stole from her own mother. How could you ever, ever do it? I can't imagine anybody ever stealing from their own mother unless you really are a lowlife. And her, her mother, she, she was jailed for stealing £38,000 and her mother was pleading for mercy for Lucy Harris. What a disgusting person to steal from your own mother. I can't think of anything worse, I'm afraid. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. European leaders are meeting to design a second massive ban. Ten. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to seven. Take, an, take a Mac. Take an umbrella. It's going to chuck it down later on today. I've just noticed there's a huge advert in the paper because apparently you can buy, I've never even heard of this before, splash-proof uniforms for kids for going to school. Splash, isn't that a Mac? A splash-proof uniform. It's a unique stormwear finish that actually repels water and keeps kids dry. We never had it in my day. We just got wet and went to school, and everybody was exactly the same, which is uh, rather a shame. Anyway, just going back to this shopaholic student, this is the... She's 26. She sold tens of thousands of pounds from her mother, and all she got jailed for uh, was nine months. Uh, she began using her mother's HSBC bank card and credit card and Marks & Spencer's store card without permission. She flew to New York... Amsterdam, Tenerife and Italy, used her mother's identity and funds for three holidays at Centre Parks, trips on North Sea ferries, hotels, clothes, restaurant meals. Her tally on ten cards in her mother's name reached £26,000, including 3000 on phone bills, 3000 on clothes and more on sofas. How many sofas do you need? Cosmetics and tickets to comedy shows. Astonishing, for four years her mother blamed herself and paid off the debts without taking any further action. Last year, she reached the end of her tether and called the police, but she dropped the charges after her daughter promised to change. However, within months, the fraudster turned to stealing from her grandmother. And she then uh, ran up bills of £12,000. Her her grandmother, Ivy Harris, died within a week of discovering the betrayal. 
What a disgusting person she is. Lucy Harris is possibly one of the lowest lives you've ever seen in your life. Anyway, she, uh, she showed no... wasn't remotely interested. Only got jailed for nine months. See, I'd have sent her to prison for 15 years. Don't ever make me a judge. I'm afraid I'd, I'd be the worst judge. You know, I would be the hanging judge, I'm afraid. It would be a case... You did what? You stole from your mother and your grandmother? Good Lord. Uh, Julia from Tunbridge Wells says, I've just woken up to hear you talking about museums. My son's going on a, a dino snore sleepover. This is at the Natural History Museum. This is where the kids go. And uh, it's not cheap, but the kids love it. Because you're sleeping on, I think there's mattresses and sleeping bags that they take with them. And they get full, uh, sorry, they get food, they get fooled. They also get a midnight tour of the museum. Ooh, spooky. All those dinosaurs which could come to life. I've seen the films, you don't frighten me. So, uh, enjoy that. Sounds great fun, wasn't it? Never did it in my day. Never did it in my... Mind you, I still like going to the museums now. I still love going. I think they're absolutely fantastic. And I did mention, because I went past on the bus again the other day, and I'm so pleased that it's all burning brightly, the lights uh, for the Waldorf Hotel. After years, they finally replaced all the bulbs, and it does look so much better. So much better. So, very happy with that. Very happy. Because I, I don't like to see bulbs out and play. It drives me mad. It's one of those, one of those strange things... Uh, front pages of the papers this morning, it's, uh, we've moved away from hacking, apparently temporarily, but don't worry, it'll be back, but as the MPs break up, I predict by the time they come back after their six-week recess, they're not going to be wanting to talk about that, even they appeared a bit bored by it, they just want to know who's guilty and who's going to pay, that's what they want to know. Uh, this is the insulin poisoning on the front of the, of the Daily Mail this morning. Uh, the, f- the face of famine, the drought in Somalia, the worst for 60 years. How can it get this bad? How possible is it? I mean, do governments just sit there and they don't see the warning signs? And why do we pick up the pieces? Seems to be picking up the pieces and twicking at the moment. We've had the chuggers out every day this week and every day last week. It must be an easy touch. I'm afraid I'm going to be terribly rude to one of them very shortly. One of them said to me the other day, Hello, have you got two minutes? I said, No, I haven't. You have a nice day. And I wanted to turn around and give her a mouthful of abuse. Like, why don't you just stop pestering people on the street? Because I'm really getting fed up. You'd have to be very stupid to hand over your credit card details to these people. You don't know who they are. You've got no idea. So they're wearing a little T-shirt. They all have little... Th- they have a little get-together by, by the tree. There's a seat on the tree at the end by Santander. And they also do their high fives. And they hello, come on, let's boost ourselves up. And that's when they start walking backwards and hanging on to mother's pushchairs. If they touch you, call the police. OK, get them arrested. Simple as that. Uh, Daryl in Stamford Lee Hope says the green cabbie shelter you're thinking of is at Junction of Temple Place and Embankment. Yeah, he does burgers and stuff. Looks lovely. I think it might be a woman. I don't know. Favourite London building, Fortnum and Mason, says Babs. I like Fortnum and Mason. Very, I like walking up the stairs. It's quite old-fashioned, isn't it? Where did I go the other day? Oh, I went to Twickenham Library. I went to Twickenham Library. And uh, it's all high-tech. But after we talk about libraries, I went there to have a look. My friend Graham bought a, a pound DVD, but the lady didn't have any change, so I had to pay for it. So I paid for a pound DVD. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it's all high-tech now. You go in there, and you obviously join the library, as we used to, and then, when you take your book out, you put it in this, like, um... It's like a metal thing. And you put it in there, and it scans the books, and tells you what they are, and then you put your, your card... How clever is that? And obviously people still pinch because they've got those things to stop you nicking books when you walk out. I always feel quite guilty walking out because I've bought stuff in stores before in Kingston which has set off other people's alarms. And that, that's always driven me a bit mad. You walk in there, beep, 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 Oh, Lord. They're going to think I'm a shoplifter or something. But luckily I don't look like a shoplifter. I like the gherkins, says Helen. I can't stand gherkins. I cannot. I never understood why in a fish and chip shop gherkins were in there. Who eats them? 
Oh, the building. I knew that, Amanda. I was just testing you, just to see. I once looked at it at night, lit up in green and purple. It looks stunning, said Helen. I know, I like St Paul's for that, that very same reason. Not green and purple, but, uh, but nice. Uh, Cameron spoke to Murdoch executives about B Sky B bid. That's the headline on the front of The Guardian. And also, I'd, I'd love to know, whether do you eat organic vegetables? Does it really make any difference whether they're organic or they're, or they're not organic? Times this morning, Europeans scramble to rescue the Greeks. Seems to be running through, doesn't it? And Coulson, security access. This is Andy Coulson, given the most basic security clearance when he went to work at Downing Street. Telegraph today, um, Alison Pearson's A to Z Guide to the Summer Holidays. There's a very good review in one of the other papers on, you know, when you buy a cheap holiday... And they say, how to guarantee it is cheap, because it's very easy to rack up prices. For example, make sure you buy your medicines in advance. Don't buy anything at the airport, because it's terribly, terribly expensive. Make sure you've pre-booked your car, because that's the cheapest way of doing it. There are loads of cheap things to do. Make sure that you've got the right weight of luggage. You don't want to get to the airport. You might be going and packing at the moment. You don't want to get to the airport and then discover you get a huge bill because you haven't weighed. That was always the first thing we did, went on holiday. They went, you've got 20 kilos. Now, bearing in mind that some of the airlines don't have that much. Some of them are 17 kilos. Does your bag fit through this thing here? And is it smaller when you get to the gate? You've got to check all these things because there are ways that they will come up with of trying to relieve you of, uh, of some of your money. Uh, other stories of the papers today. The Daily Express, they're actually running with the headline, they're, they're 10p cheaper today than the Daily Mail. They've got uh, Jennifer Aniston. She does look good, actually. Much as she should do. I mean, you know, she's got nothing to worry about. You know, got a very nice life. Earns a lot of good money. Home loans could be cheaper for up to three years. This is after the Bank of England signalled the base rate is to remain at a record low. Sun today. Charlie Sheen couldn't keep up with me in bed. This is by an ex-porn star. And then you look at her inside, she just looks like a child. It's awful, really. Hospital girl held by saline serial killers cops. Paris Hilton storming out, and Britney Spears didn't apparently bathe or use deodorant or anything else when she was going through her peculiar phase. Uh, Big Brother Golden Ticket winner Christina Chance has vowed, I will have sex in the house. And you look at a picture of her and you think, well, it's the best you're going to manage, I'm afraid. How tacky, how embarrassing. Metro this morning, Jen's women are like girls too. And finally, the, uh, the Daily Mirror today, they've got, oi, bro, no. This is because there's going to be a gay Mitchell in EastEnders. Whoopee! And David Cameron, yesterday hit by shock claims that a senior civil servant had his phone hacked while Andy Coulson was in number 10. So there's a bit of phone hacking. A little bit of phone hacking. Do go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, to learn more about the station. If you're a new listener, it's always nice to have new listeners. And uh, we trust we've set your day up well. We'll Do it again tomorrow morning between 5 and 7. You can learn how to podcast from as little as £2 a month. You can download everything, but it only goes back three years. So what you've got to make sure you do is, uh, the moment you've got your subscription in, and I'd advise you to do six, download everything. Every programme, every, there's tonnes of stuff on there, absolutely tonnes of stuff, worth having a go at. And then on Sunday, we'll put up the pictures of all the, uh, the British Airways uniforms, and we'll tell you more about vintage, which is Wayne Hemingway's uh, extravaganza next week over the South Bank Centre. Nick Ferrari and the team with you after seven in a matter of a couple of minutes. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing.